Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Eric and Shannon Geller, the husband and wife team behind Short Hop Games, the producer of Quests and Cannons, which is currently on Kickstarter. Gellers, welcome to the binge. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having us. Oh, it is fantastic. Fantastic to have you. I am just giddy over this game. I when I was going through your your Kickstarter page, man, if people love pirates and love uh, interactive gameplay, uh, they, they are in for a treat. And we're gonna go through it on this podcast. But uh, I know myself, I was geeking out pretty hard over this campaign. So congratulations on that. Thanks a lot. Um, so for people who don't know, cause we don't see a lot of this, these kind of husband and wife, uh, teams in the industry, like, how did this all start? This is your first game. So you guys were doing something yeah. obviously before this, well, you know, where did you guys kind of start out with, with start out with the game design or just start in the gaming industry start in general? In yeah. General. Um, well, it kind of started off as, you know, us trying to play games together um and with our the difference in gaming experience we found it pretty difficult to find games that we could both enjoy together like either either game was like the game that i wanted to play would be like behind like a library of game jargon and okay. <laughs> yeah so i'd i'd try and you know bring a game to the table that was you know something like spirit islanders or something like that which we tried to get to the table once and uh just it just doesn't doesn't happen yeah um so we you know shannon eventually found like a game like splendor um and that was more like more approachable for her but and it still had like that nice strategy engine building feel that like i really like in games so that was like one of the first games that we really got to the table together and I could win, which yeah. was important. <laughs> That's very important. <laughs> now, is this something you guys have been playing like ever since you've been married or like since you've been together? Or is this something more recent when you guys started uh, trying to game together? I think we No, been- since Eric's been trying to uh, push this lifestyle on me since <laughs> the first day we met, pretty much. Um, hence the name Short Hop Games. Yeah, we got this, a good story around that. This is not limited to uh, board games. It's video games as well. So um, I think you'll enjoy the Short Hop Games story. Yeah. So Eric um, was like, oh, have you ever played Super Smash Bros? And I was like, no, never even heard of it. <laughs> and um, he's like, oh, we should play. So I was like, yeah, I'm down. So um, he bought me a um, It was the 3D, yeah, it was the 3DS, 3DS at the time. Yep. So I was like psyched on the 3DS and I'm like, oh, get me like Donkey Kong, like 2D platformers. I didn't even know that term at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just wanted like those games and he's like, oh, we got to do Smash Bros. So I'm like, all right. And he's like, oh, do you want to train so you can like smash on some noobs? And I was like, <laughs> sure, that sounds fun. So he made me spend like the next three hours trying to learn how to short hop, like okay. one move. And he's like, no, 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 you have to like tap it later. It's necessary it later. to be good. And you just like, have to be able to short hop. It's so the foundation. Yeah. He's like, you need to like build your foundation and then you'll be able to like stomp on some nudes, which I have, by the way, I'm bragging because that was a big accomplishment for me. Um, so yeah, 
that when we were coming up with, well, what should we name our company? I was like, why not short hop games? Because we want to bring that idea, like start with a solid foundation into like mm. everything that we do. So it's symbolic of that. Plus, you know, plus bunnies, our relationship and then and bunnies, dwarf bunnies. So got hops. wearing, wearing gotcha. the namesake today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, dwarf bunnies, dwannies, that's, that's our logo. So it just works. And, and what were you like, what were your day jobs? Like, what do you guys do outside of playing board games and, and smash bro? Like, is, <laughs> what do you do like during the day? Uh, for the past seven years now, I've been a manufacturer's rep for uh, life sciences industry. So it's it, more the process equipment side of that. So, sure. you know, anything from like tube sets to bioreactors is stuff that we we sell into bio so you understand the manufacturing side and, and yeah, manufacturing, so that, that's actually whether... helped a lot yeah yeah that has yeah. helped him a lot and i um actually own a cleaning company like residential cleaning so i do cleaning organizing like marie kondo everyone asks so i'm just saying it in advance marie kondo type activities um which was a huge inspiration for the player boards because someone literally just asked us that earlier um, like how I was inspired to do the playboards. I'm like, I just put my organizing skills from like organizing people's houses into like, how can we streamline the gameplay here? And um, I also do interior design as well. Nice. And I have my hairdressing license. So all sorts wow. of things. And I think <laughs> that's something in this industry that people don't necessarily give themselves credit for is there are so many transferable skills right? No matter what you do, right? I mean, on the cleaning side, I'm sure sales and marketing is, is a good part of that, right? Oh, yeah. As you definitely. said, like uh, design and, um, you know, organization, you know, these are things that come into, you know, design, selling, marketing, a game, manufacturing, understanding how to deal with suppliers and things like that. These are all skills that uh, are transferable. And I don't think people often give themselves enough credit for that, right? They just assume all oh, board games, I don't know how to launch a board game. Well, you know, you might be surprised, you might know a lot more than you think when you get kind of under the hood and get beyond just the gaming itself and kind of look at it. Cause at the end of the day, it's a widget, right? Mm -hmm. And whether you're in the medical field selling and manufacturing widgets, you know, or in the cleaning industry, or if you're in the board game industry, there it's all the same stuff. You're moving goods from a manufacturing facility to the end user. You're, you're, you're doing client acquisition and sales and, you know, all these things that you can pull from your other job. So, so that's good. Awesome for you guys. So what was the in? So that was the idea behind this game is you want to create something that, um, kind of by the call, like the McDLT or McBLT. Remember that McDonald's sandwich where the hot stayed hot and the cold stayed cold, so or something for everybody, right? <laughs> so, uh, so I think that that's uh, the approach you took here. But why the pirate theme? Where did that come from? So we're we're kind of like uh, pirate adjacent. Um, it came from uh, a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. So on on that on that quest of finding games that we could enjoy playing together um so all all of her her friends married nerds like me um as it turned out so mm -hmm. at, at one point you know dnd's picking up steam and everyone's like oh we should all play dnd so you know being my obsessive compulsive self i'll i'll, I'll write my own campaign and we can all play that i um, haven't talked to him for like three months and we lived <laughs> together <laughs> um so Oh. made this i was working on this um this island uh like island adventure campaign yeah. so like a bunch of seafaring stuff uh go from island to island you know there i had like all sorts of you know i did 
I, I went way overboard on world building and all, all that kind of stuff. Like I was researching like salt trading and all the beginnings of empires and like nonsense like that. Like I went really deep. Um, <laughs> so what, what um, came first? Was it the theme or was it some of the mechanics of the game? Like which which way did you kind of come at this? I mean, it was the it was the mechanics of the game. It was always always going to be around like some kind of like island adventure kind of mm. idea. And originally we had like placeholder, you know, I had placeholders of, um, you know, like some kind of like steampunkish or, you know, magic, magitech sci-fi kind of kind of vibe with, mm -hmm. you know, just I think you original had a theme gritty that you built mechanics around, but then we didn't use that theme. Yeah, That's I mean, kind of the easy answer here. Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, really this Dungeons and Dragons campaign. I was like, I'm just going to turn this into a board game. Yeah. So there was a nice. theme first, yeah. but that's not the theme we used, which yeah. we'll get to why after or now. Go on to why yeah, now. I mean, why? <laughs> so um you wanna yeah, yeah, just like the like the short version. So he decided to do the whole Dungeons and Dragons thing, like crazy man in the cabin syndrome, like coming up with all this stuff. And uh we played one or two. Like, we did one session and one then we session. did a one shot and then, and then he was like schedules never aligned never again because <laughs> we were like older and everyone had jobs and kids and so i was actually pregnant at the time okay. and with our first son and uh we actually spent a whole night with his friend paul who was like um he's like our main play tester yeah, for yeah. And cannons he, and he, he was, was a big huge help he was like oh we should make characters because i really like psychology and stuff so he's like, we should make characters based on our own personalities. And I was mm. like, okay, that sounds fun. I didn't realize it was going to be this like spiritual awakening, like intense thing. So we're like at our house and we're going over all different like D&D &D races and like what they all mean and how much depth is there and like giving ourselves like points for like different charismas and wisdom and all this other stuff. And we're like, all right, we'll end this at midnight. And we looked at the clock again and it was like 6 a.m. <laughs> wow. It was like, I don't know what yeah. happened here, but so then months later, we had the baby. We're totally sleep deprived, like in a bad way. Bad, so bad colicky, way. Colicky one. So my friend comes over to visit the baby and her PTSD from that. Sorry. Yeah. Her boyfriend <laughs> um, comes over and he is like this incredible artist. Like yeah. you could use a microscope to look at his art and miss something. It's so detailed. Yeah, like pencil sketches with like high resolution detail. It's wow. like, really yeah, incredible. it's nuts. So he's Eric's looking at his sketchbook and then was like blah game like the next day he had a whole the same board like style you see right now yeah. he had already cut out of paper and had it like all over the table like everything was crazy <laughs> wow so he was like we're gonna do um the steampunk pirates and I'm like mm, I like that but that's not a box that I would probably pull off the shelf myself like I need something a little floofier yeah. if I'm going to want to play. So then he was like, well, what do you have in mind? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, what about like a bunny duck and um, pig kind of like a Looney Tunes playoff. I was like, yeah. No. Like fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. So he was saying that and I was like, no. And I was like, what about if we combine the um, Dungeons and Dragons races with those animals though? So then I was like, pork, like just like, came out and I was like that is wicked funny we're gonna have to like go down this path so then we did and then 
Eric's showing me, telling me about the gameplay mechanics and whatever. And I was like, no, 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 no. The original, the original gameplay mechanics yeah. were uh, pretty crunchy. Uh, it was a lot. There's like crew members that you have to, they had like upkeep with food and you'd, yeah, you had to go to the islands, like maybe sometimes you scavenge for food or sometimes you like pillage, you know, towns to you know, get like enough points. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty involved. <laughs> so good. you've taken this game and you've now condensed it down and the playtime now is what, like an hour, hour and a half? It's about 20 minutes per player. Like we're consistently with six, okay. six players, you're, you're getting in in about two hours. So that's cool. So, so I'm going to share this page with people that are watching uh, this yeah. live or on the replay uh first of all uh congratulations you got 50 i'm gonna put this in canadian dollars it always sounds bigger and it's the only way i can see it but fifty nine thousand dollars <laughs> on a big. target of uh about twenty two and a half thousand dollars um that is uh that is incredible that's a very very successful campaign still got eight days to go so yeah there's always hockey sticks at the back so it's obviously going to go much higher than that um Take us through kind of how you play this game. Like, give us the essence of how you play this game. I'm going to kind of just scroll through these visuals as you do that. I just have one more thing to add to the last segment. Sorry to do this. Sure. But <laughs> how he um, hijacked me into designing the game with him, how that was born, was he kept asking me, what would you change? What would you condense? How would you change it? And I didn't realize he was hijacking me into being co-designer. She's always so, been my uh, developer and she, she didn't know it at first. But. I didn't want it. But then once it was happening, I was like, all right, I'm invested. This is like coming out. <laughs> like it seems more like both of us now. So then I started liking it. I had like Stockholm syndrome, but it's like fun and great. So yeah, the art happened. is very, very fun. We can see here on the page, it, uh, it, it looks awesome. They did a great job. So walk us how do you play this game what's the essence of this game you got six boats i see and you got a kind of a center hex map right this very kind of Catan-esque, and it's uh yeah yeah there's definitely some inspiration for from Catan for sure i mean we wanted to create you know an accessible game that like resource management idea um we want to move away from like um like chance like the more the chance aspect of of resource gathering um, so you're going to be, um, picking one of, now we have 12, 12, char 12 playable characters because we unlocked the, the three extra ones with our flash funding goal, which is awesome. The goblins, the turkey goblins, mm -hmm. um, that one's fun. Um, but anyways, um, so you are one of, one of 12 heroic champions. The game plays up to, up to six players. It has a solo mode and, you know, up to three players co-op uh, and then free for all in teams. Um, so a bunch of different varieties of playing, but you're going to be taking control of a uh, heroic champion sent to explore these islands. Um, so you, all the, all the islands have um, e exploration tokens on them that start off hidden. And on the, uh, on the under, underneath side of them, they have a different resource on them. And that tells you what resource that island produces. So you're going to be using action points each turn to move around the board, uncovering the resources on the islands. You get quests from the, the islands as you land on them. Um, and then you can use action points to gather that type of resource um, to fulfill quests, uh, to upgrade your ship. Um, and then additionally, you have other, other victory paths, um, like the, the map clues. You'll start with one map clue and you can, you can get more from the trading post and you get more map clues as you complete them. It's kind of like this exploration um, series of uh, objective that exists in the game. And so then how does that work? So this map clue, what's that all about? Yeah. So you get the clue and it helps you what, like find like a treasure map or. So there it's kind of like the, so we, it's, 
it's our representation of kind of like our narrative hook. Um, okay. There's a there's a lore video um, on the page, uh, so that's that's our narrative trailer that, yeah, that tells cool. of how, yeah it, that was that one was fun to uh, it was a fun fun direction. That, First time we we put together that stuff, of course, um, <laughs> it was a uh, it was definitely a process. But it was it came out really cool. We're excited about that. Um, but yeah, so essentially that um, as as this cataclysmic event happened, as the the you know three nations of of the world, Mirrorheim, um, have drifted away from their connection with the source. Um, the islands rise up, um, and they start migrating to them and finding them to be plentiful in resources. And they find this, these strange writings that tell of a series of map clues that lead to a powerful artifact that could restore balance to the world. So these map clues are kind of that representation of that narrative hook. Um, and it, they'll tell you to go to a specific island and it's, you know, mechanically you're spending an action point there to either get uh, loot card or prosperity, which prosperity is our, our word for victory points. So that's yeah, the yeah. representation in the game. And then you draw a new map clue that tells you um, to go to a different island and, you know, you keep, keep doing that from island to island. And then the second half of scoring a map clue is like basically returning that knowledge back to your home port to kind of like archive them. So that's kind of the, the second like thematic tie-in with that. So is there, and you can keep replaying. So when, you, when people sometimes hear, you know, clues or have to unlock or discover something in a game, you sometimes get the sense that, okay, once I've played it once, then I can't really, you know, I've already discovered this. Oh, no, it's, no, it's, no, it's just, not. it's mechanically, it's a re representation of the idea, but the clue Got is it. more, the game, so the gameplay is essentially like a navigation and efficiency puzzle. Each, each time you play, you're trying to figure out the most effective route through the Risen Islands to complete multiple objectives while you're upgrading your ship and, you know, enough to, you know, maybe come from behind to overtake yeah. someone that's maybe focusing on like rushing for, say, rushing for completing objectives. Yeah. Um, so each, each game is going to feel like there's a unique puzzle to it because the, the locations of the resources are going to change each time. The quests that you get are going to change each time. The yeah. map clues that you get each time are going to change. Uh, so every your time your strategy you, has to change. Yeah, your too, strategy has to be adapted to whatever yeah. is around you. Because yeah. like sometimes I play and I'm like, all right, I'm going to immediately upgrade my ship and increase my sails so I have more speed. And sometimes you play and there's no canvas near you at all. So you're better off trying to maybe open up a cargo slot or maybe quickly complete that other quest. So you definitely have to have an adaptive strategy. If you think you're going into it the same time, like same way each time, you're going to lose Yeah, for sure. The one thing I thought was really interesting is how um, versatile this game is, right? So you've got, you can do quests, you can uh, do engine building, you can uh, take the, you can actually attack people, right? So there's ships, you can yep. actually attack mm -hmm. other pirates, right? In, in the world and gain victory points that way. So there's these different types of play styles you can play, I guess, independent of each other or a combination combining of permutations them. of Usually them, right? combining them is the, the surest path to victory, right. but yeah, I mean, you can focus solely on one and if yeah. you can do it really well, then you, you, you can come out winning. There's and then you can do- Oh, like a one to six player, but you can also do like two on two, three on three. You can have teams. Like it seems like there's yeah, so many yeah, different yeah, kind of combinations you guys have built in here. To, yeah, you can do three teams of two, which is that that's my personal favorite. That that one's a lot of fun. 
Yeah. And how's that work? Like, how's the teams work? It just becomes like you're, you're trading off each other or, or how? So the team, the team play is actually kind of like this built in ramp to have a bit more depth to the game. Um, so in, in teams, you're going to be. I think it could add depth or it can even simplify depending on how you oh, approach that's, it. Oh, that's cause... true. Because, I mean, teams teams also helps with, you know, if you have someone newer, being on a team with someone lets you, you know, share information. It lets mm-hmm. you, like, help help someone strategize. strategize and get more get more fluid in the game. So teams teams is, is both a way to, you know, help someone who's new, but also because you're combining strategies with another, like there's, a, you know, two champions or three champions on a team. You're combining those strategies. Uh, you can trade resources, map clues, loot, ammo, coins with your with your teammate. Um, so it opens up a whole another layer of, of mm. strategy that you can do in the game. You know, maybe one player goes across the board to pick up gems and another yeah. player is like running interference with cannons. Uh, you meet up at an outpost and like, your cargo champion has like a full full set of resources and then like mass upgrades both ships. Kind yeah, of stuff. while they're trying to open up cargo slots, they don't have as much availability to go get stuff. So right. like, you can really strategize heavily there. But one thing that, well, like when he would ask me to play games, if he'd be like, oh, we can play on a team, I'd be like, all right, it's less intimidating to know that you can be on a team. Yeah. But something I found in talking to a lot of other people in our dynamic, whether it's men or women, it could be the opposite of us. Someone's a, a heavier nerd and someone's not, but they're married and they want to do stuff together. And um, what would happen is like, okay, you're playing on a team, but then he knows so much more. So he winds up kind of just doing everything. And I'm like a warm body and really bored. So with Quest and Cannons, whether you're on a team or not, you still have your own ship that you're responsible mm. for. So you can't just be a warm body. Like you are actually engaged and you're playing. And what I have personally loved is usually by turn three, anybody who's playing the more like experienced person will be like, oh, do this, do that or whatever. Mm. And the other person's like, no, no. After like turn three, they're like, I get it. And I'm doing my own plan too. Like, yeah, I want to do this. And then the other person's like, what are you doing? And they tell them, they're like, oh yeah, that's cool too. So you see people start to evolve as gamers and their confidence build and just being able to like get in there and have the confidence, like work off the other person, but then be on their own a little bit too. It's really cool to see. Yeah. So in this, uh, when you're, when you're attacking a ship, can you, are you taking the, per- like if you destroy their ship or can you sink their ship like are they out of the yep. game or is it just do they respawn no, it's uh respawn we okay. we actually and we, we tried player elimination at the yeah. start um and it just it sucks didn't, didn't go, yeah yeah, yeah it, just, that's not fun. it sucks <laughs> and then let's let's talk about these uh because i don't want to miss out on this but i'm showing it on the uh on the the shared screen is these player boards you've got the dual layer uh player boards are just really really slick everything kind of nests in the board was this something that you knew you're going to do right out of the gate or is this something that kind of evolved through the process? Uh, we definitely wanted to do cool player boards from the start. Um, my original design was not as cool as the one that Shannon designed here. Uh, yeah, it's super <laughs> slick, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, that was definitely the cleaning and organizing aspect of things. And also um, Eric and I, you can probably tell, Um, both have like wicked ADHD. So um, with the player board, 
<clears throat> I thought a lot about that. Like what like prohibits someone from being able to focus or play. We have three dogs and we can't control that. So sorry if that's <laughs> But um, I was just like, all right, I want to do something that streamlines the play, is intuitive. It makes sense. You know, sales are obviously at the top um cannons would fire from like the middle of the ship and cargo would be at the bottom and also just to like organize everything you're doing so if someone's like i gotta get up i want to go to the bathroom i'm gonna go outside for a minute and you come back you know exactly what you're doing like yeah. it's all right there so if you're and you do have to manage a lot in quest and cannons there's like a lot going on simultaneously yeah so you just look at your board and sometimes you can be like oh my god what was i doing because it's like when you get to your turn you're like ah like, do I want to do this or that next? Like, there's so much happening. So the board just organizes everything. You can look at it and be like, oh yeah, I'm going, I'm ready to go. So that was the goal. So, you know, what we look at this page, I mean, and you can scroll and you're, it seems like you're scrolling for like 10 minutes and there's, doesn't seem like there's any end to it. I have a funny story on that. <laughs> clearly put a lot of time and effort into this. Um, and, and part of it is a lot of the reviewers, right? You've had a lot of reviewers, a lot of previewers. Take us through your kind of your marking process on that, on the decision to do reviews and previews and, and what did that look like? So for another developer out there that might want to take this path, like what was involved with that? Yeah. So we, so we have a, we have a self-publishing diary that we try and do regular updates on. And one of them is on organizing a review campaign. Um, but we, so I, I looked at a couple case studies um, that did, um, large review campaigns. I was like, all right, that's that's a way to, you know, get your game out there and, you know, have a successful Kickstarter campaign. I, I looked at uh, Exodus Rise of the Corruption that did phenomenally well. They, I think they have uh, Fractal uh, Beyond, the Vo uh, Beyond the Void, maybe I think it is. Yep. Doomlings uh, is another example of a company that did yeah. that. Yep. Um, and Cristalo, I think, did did a solid review yeah, campaign. Yeah, Kiefer. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, did really solid review campaign, like limited ad spend and crushed it. Um, so I was like, okay, that's, that's definitely going to be a leg of our, our marketing campaign. Um, I started um, a year, a year before um, we sent out our first preview copies and started talking to, you know, previewers, reviewers and whatnot, content creators um, and started building a, a list of people that we wanted to send, send copies to. Um, and then we were crazy and made 25 preview copies. Wow. Yeah. And those cases, did you have to ship them from like one previewer to another in order to kind of yeah, spread them so around? We, or? We, I, I should show you my spreadsheet that I have for that. Hmm. Uh, not right now, <laughs> not right now but I, I'll, send, I'll send you it um, if you want to see it. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we organized a, a spreadsheet that kept, kept track of, you know, uh, different routes so that, you know, we or organize it into, you know, 25 different waves and each, each or 25 different routes and then yeah. organize it into to waves. So every time it moved from one, one reviewer to another reviewer, that was, you know, the, the next wave of that, of that route. Um, and then just following up with people on a consistent schedule, um, lots of USPS shipping labels. <laughs> yeah. It's not cheap either, right? Like, I don't no, think people necessarily realize that even if you produce like 50 copies of the game or even hundred copies of the game, those are digital prototypes. Those, those are not, that's not a full, that's not a run. Right. So that your cost per game is you're pretty much paying retail per, per copy or higher. Right. So go ahead. Oh, yeah. So that's actually one of the strengths that we, we had with our preview campaign is that, um, 
And if, any, if you if you have um, a makerspace that's near you, we, mm -hmm. we are actually able to use a laser cutter at a local makerspace. So we, oh, nice. we did a lot of the prototyping ourselves, like all the player boards, the, the terrain tiles, the champion tiles, the frame of the board, we prototyped those ourselves. Wow. Um, which, which was a lot of work. Um, I was yeah. like seven months pregnant. But it would have, yeah, it would have been, yeah. And Shannon was seven months pregnant. Lots of so people, she's, she's um, a champion. they got the first, first prototype. They were the first in line was like, whoa, soot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like a lot you get of that. soot. We're like, we really did try to wipe that all down. There was just like a lot because yeah. it was yeah. from the laser cutter. It's part, um, it comes, but, it's, it's part of the beast, I guess, right? Yeah, um, but it would have been cost prohibitive. To, like, I mean, those player boards are gigantic. Yeah. Um, it would have been absolutely cost prohibitive to do even a even a small run of of quests and cannons to send out to previewers to previewers or reviewers. That it would have mm -hmm. not been possible. So this is the first of three chapters of the story. Um, how do people kind of follow along if they want to? you know, get into this, this whole ecosystem of this, uh, of this world you've created, how best they follow along to, to see kind of how the story is going to continue on beyond this Kickstarter campaign. Uh, so the Quest and Cannons Facebook group uh, is definitely going to be the number one. Um, but, you know, we have Instagram and, and Twitter. We were most consistently posting content uh, to the Facebook group, and that will be the same group for the entire Quest and Cannons saga. Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be everyone that you know enjoys the Risen Islands, that enjoys the dungeon crawl, that enjoys that world scale epic boss battle that will finish it off. Um, so it's going to be that same group for you know hopefully years. And <laughs> the, is the handle literally quests and cannons? Is that how they find it? Yeah, quest. Yeah, quests and cannons. It should be the it. Should, it's probably and uh, like so Facebook it, slash yeah. groups slash quests and cannons instead of the ampersand. Um, Got it. But I'd have to check that one again. Our newsletter and, too is a good way to keep yeah, up with the, us. Our, our newsletter. Long detailed um, updates in that once a month. We don't spam you unless of course we're running a yeah. campaign and then we are updating you a little bit more. Yeah. And they can find that at shorthotgames.com. Is that where they'd find that? Um, right now, um, because we have, so we're, we're working with next level web and our, our main website is a, our, a landing page that was more tuned to, for, for ads okay, to bring gotcha. people yep. to now, now it's the Kickstarter. Um, so the best way to get on the newsletter right now, we're going to have to work on, on changing that, but there's, um, there's a link on the Kickstarter page. Uh, Perfect. Can, and they can find that Kickstarter page. If you check out the show notes of this podcast, whether it's the audio version or even watching the YouTube version here, check out the show notes below and you can find a link to this Kickstarter campaign, Quests and Cannons. Guys, this looks so exciting. I am just pumped for you. Uh, and man, I know this is going to fit a lot of people's wheelhouses. So congratulations Thank again on this campaign. Eh? Thank you. I have one thing to say to us, like people that want to design games. Sure. <laughs> The board game design community mm. is the nicest group of people I've ever met in my life. And it's Facts. not competitive. They are so willing to help you and teach you everything they know. And that has really gotten us to where we are today. There's I so I was blown people. away by yeah. how much information there is just like freely available, like the knowledge documents that people have yep. put the together. Time they'll spend with you. It's wild. It's really awesome. So I just wanted to say that because oh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And one other way people can do that is continue to follow the board game binge podcast. Cause we talk Heck about yeah. game designs, exactly. how to market yeah. all that stuff under the hood guys. 
All the best on this kite campaign in this coming year, eh? You take care. Thank you so much. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. We'll